From startup to scale up. Today, we're going to talk about seven strategies for business growth. Let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. What's up? What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited that you joined me today because today we're going to talk about seven things that you need to do, seven strategies that you need to do for business growth. This is so important because it really doesn't matter. You know, in the title, it says from startup to scale up. And that's because at every phase of the way, we're always looking to scale up. There's no doubt about that. But there are these consistent principles that we can always bring to light and always bring to the table and always go over and review and use. So it doesn't really matter where you're at. You could be bringing in $10 million a year. Or you could be bringing in $10 a year. And you definitely need to take into account these principles. So we're going to go through them, right? One at a time, one piece at a time, and cover the seven different strategies for business growth. All right. So I'm going to pull them up here on the screen. Number one on the list, pretty straightforward, develop a clear and compelling business model. This is huge, but I think a lot of times people get a little overboard with it. In fact, if you've been to college and you've been to business school or you've been in any business class, building a business model uh, sort of has gotten a little bit out of control. And, you know, I can understand it on some ends, right? We definitely want to have something understandable and compelling. But just the other day, I put together a business model with uh, one of our companies. We went back, we redid what it was that they were doing, and we kind of reestablished the things that they knew, but we put that into a business model that they could use and understand that had actually changed and grown and developed in the time that we had been working together. And so it's it's important that you periodically go back and define your target market. You really got to understand who your people are, understand your value proposition, right? Understand how it is that your thing and your special thing is going to come to the market and understand your revenue streams so that you can establish this great foundation for growth. And this is so, so important because it's never just one thing, right? A lot of times people talk about value ladders in terms of a single funnel, but there is a value ladder in terms of your entire business. And it is important that you understand your value ladder, understand how people are going to go through and ascend through your business and through your model. And this is important. So you got to spend some time doing this. So let's move on to number two, and that is build a strong team. This is, this is huge. You know, in a day where people are hiring a lot of VAs, they're hiring a lot of external help, and you have teams that are working remote and not as much like it used to be. It used to be that you had to hire the people and have the office and expand through there. But now you can hire VAs that are very particular for the thing that you need to do. And it is important that you surround yourself with a talented team that's motivated and they have to be aligned with 
who you want to be with you to achieve the goals that you've set out in that business model we just talked about. This is very, very important. You don't want to be left with people in your organization, whether they're VAs or whether they're full hires. You don't want to be left with people that don't align with your values. If you're all about changing the education system, that's something I'm passionate about, right? Changing and updating the education system from the days of old, and you hire somebody that really doesn't care about it and really doesn't actually give a flying flip about that subject, then there's a little bit of a misalignment there. So you want to make sure that you build a strong talented team that is aligned with your goals and the culture of what you'd like your business to be. And, and that matters, even if you're only meeting with them over Zoom. In fact, a lot of companies have gone fully remote and that's okay, but you still want to have a culture where everybody is in alignment with what it is that you do. Let's move on to number three. Number three, focus on a cust on customer acquisition and retention. This is a big deal because honestly, as you go through a business, there's ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and it is really easy to get caught up in the next thing. But when you're focusing on customer retention and acquisition, this is a really big deal because the acquisition comes in the front end. And a lot of times as a business owner, you start focusing on that acquisition. Then all of a sudden you get all these clients and then it's like, okay, I got to focus on keeping those clients and making sure they're happy and making sure they continue to move through my business model. And you stop focusing on acquisition. This in the long term is going to kick your butt. So you have to have a great model. You have to have a great uh, plan to be able to continue to acquire your customers and know what type of customers you want to acquire. It's easy as you get in to start working with the customers that you acquired initially and start to realize that you didn't acquire the customers that you wanted. So they aren't actually the high value customers that you were hoping to get. And so then all of a sudden you start changing that, but you don't change it on the front end on the acquisition side of getting those customers that you want. You see, I always say, if you want to go fishing for whales, you can't use minnows to catch the whale. You have to use bait that would actually catch the whale. This is absolutely imperative. If you're going fishing, you got to have the right bait. Right. And this is, I don't mean that to sound bad, but you have to remember that the clients that you'd like to get, if you would like a high ticket client, someone that's going to pay you maybe $25,000, $50,000, you can't offer a free thing and hope that they're going to turn around and spend $25,000, $50,000 right after the free thing. You're going to have to work them through that process, or you're going to have to go after a higher level client by not necessarily giving away a free thing, right? So you have to adjust your bait. You have to adjust the thing that you're doing for acquiring the customer. Now, on the flip side, when you get to the retention, maybe you're acquiring all the customers in the right, or at least the right type of customers, and all of a sudden you're losing them left and right. Well, that means you have to work on your actual delivery, what they're actually getting, the fulfillment side of it. Maybe you need a client success group uh, to actually come in and make sure that your clients are doing and actually completing the things that you set aside for them to do to have success. Sometimes you have to get that client success group. Right. Sometimes you have to actually make sure that the processes that they're going through and the path that they're going through is clear. In so many instances, the path that a customer is on 
isn't clear. I recently went through a new software system, learning how they work and how they operated. And I'm working with that company to improve how the client goes through that initial state and into their back end. And what they didn't realize is they'd been around for so dang long that they forgot to take care of that initial phase and really make it something that customers could understand and that was easy and that matched and kept up with current models of today. You see, you could have a model that worked 10 years ago, but the software and tech has changed so much. In fact, the look of technology and software has changed so much that your model might have worked 10 years ago, but right now it might not actually work in the minds of the customers that are coming through it. So it is so important to work on that retention side. All right, let's jump into the next one. And that is invest in marketing and branding. Oh my goodness. Guys, the number of times I've talked to a company and they've said, oh, well, you know, I don't have a budget for marketing. What the heck? Well, are you kidding me? You don't have a budget for marketing? Marketing is like the number one thing that you must set aside money for. Marketing covers a lot of different areas. Some people say, well, I'm posting on social media. I'm doing social media marketing. Well, that is one type of marketing, but it isn't marketing. Marketing entails a whole umbrella of things that you do to get your product to the right market, the right marketplace where the right people are at the right market. And that includes selling and advertising, social media, that includes content creation. I mean, there's just so much that goes into marketing. Marketing is not one thing, right? So you've got to invest in that marketing and branding at a certain point. And you have to evaluate this as a company. In the early stages, branding isn't that important. In the latter stages, branding becomes more and more and more and more and more important. So it kind of works in a curve. And you have to realize that that curve you have to pay attention to as you grow and you scale. If you don't pay attention to it, then later on down the line, when it's super important that you have a brand and an image, you might not have done it and you need to put it into place. But in the earlier stages, sometimes you get caught up in, I've got to make a logo and a brand and it's got to really represent me. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Sell your product. Get people to buy the thing that you want them to buy. Right. So in the early stages, branding, not as important in the middle. It starts to get more important in the end. It's really super important. You've got to figure out, identify where you're at and use a variety of marketing channels to reach the new customers that you want to get that are going to fit your ideal customers that we talked about before. And you've got to build that awareness over time and continue to build awareness if you want to have longevity and continuing success. All right, let's jump to the next one. continuously improve your operations. Oh my gosh, I'm a big fan of operations. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love choreographing operations for companies because in so many instances, this gets overlooked. You know why? Because you grow and you scale and you just do what needs to get done. And in the beginning, as owner operators, some of you might understand this and you've probably been through it. You just do what needs to be done. If the trash needs to be taken out, you take it out. You're the chief janitor. You're the chief marketing operations. You're the chief marketing uh, advertiser. You're the chief operations officer. You hire, you fire, you greet customers at the door. That's when you're very starting out. But as you grow, you start to implement things and you hire people on. You hire great people to help you start to take care of the business. And operations oftentimes gets left by the wayside. And even though most 
business owners try to do their best, at a certain point, you have to go back and continually improve operations. There has been a very rare company that I've actually worked with and gone in to do any work with where they didn't need operational help. Guys, you could have an operations officer, but they sometimes even get stuck in the way that they're doing things. And sometimes you need an outside person to come in and look. And sometimes you need to be that outside person, or sometimes you can hire somebody like me to come in and take a look at what's going on inside your operations that you can actually improve and get more efficient and find better systems and processes so that you can improve efficiency, cut down on the waste, get rid of some of the holes, Man, if there's one thing that we've learned how to do, it's find the holes in a business. And there is no business that's impervious to it. It's just It just comes with the nature of owning and running a business. Holes happen. And with holes, the boat sinks. So the more holes you have, the more the boat's going to sink. So this is a really, really big deal. So I really want you to think about continuously improving your operations. You've got to set time aside for it, and you've got to pay attention to it. All right, let's jump into number six. Keep an eye on the competition. This is huge. I don't want you to, uh, per se, go after exactly what the competition is doing. And you see it a lot with fast food restaurants. The juggernaut, the leader in the fast food restaurant goes, we're going to offer our drinks for a dollar. And then what happens? Five, six other franchise uh, fast food restaurants goes, we're offering our drinks for a dollar. But the thing is, is the initiator of that concept came up with a plan and a strategy for how they were going to implement that. And this is huge. That became an industry trend. And they knew and they had the research to back it up and understand how they were going to use that dollar drink as a loss leader to get them to buy other things. Well, other people sort of just gleaned off of that. Now, what I don't want you to do is just copy blindly. I want you to go and look at it and evaluate it and ask yourself, why did they offer that drink for a dollar? What is it that they're gaining? What are the numbers behind it? Can I effectively do the same thing and put myself in the same competitive space? Or can I do something else that is similar in concept, but maybe separates me from the pack just like they just separated themselves from the pack? This is a really big deal because you can monitor the industry trends. You can stay aware aware of what it is that's happening. And then you can do your own thing based off of using good logic and good strategy. If you're not sure what that logic and strategy is, that again, sometimes you need some extra help. Sometimes you need extra eyes coming in. Don't be afraid to ask for that because just because you're keeping an eye on the competition doesn't mean, again, that you should copy it. This is a bad idea. Don't copy it just to copy it. You have to understand what they were trying to attain, and then you have to try to do it yourself and try to do it uniquely because copying somebody else's idea like dollar drinks without actually doing all the work behind it to understand how that was going to work out for you, well, that's a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for bad things to come. And really, when you think about it, it's kind of like copying somebody else's funnel or copying their copy or doing something identical. Well, it just puts you in a commodity race with that with that group. But they're going to win because they have a strategy and they understand how it is that they wanted that to work out. And they know and understand their metrics to know whether it's succeeding or not succeeding. So you've really got to pay attention to that. So make sure you're keeping an eye on your competition in the right way. Let's move on to number seven. 
I want you to seek out funding and partnerships. This is huge. In so many instances, we get caught up in trying to do everything ourselves. But there is a lot of leverage. There's a lot of OPM, right? Other people's money. You can leverage to help you grow and scale. It's not always that you need investors. So I don't want you to think about that. Although investors can really boost your business if you do it right. And investing in businesses is changing more so nowadays than it ever has before. It's becoming a much more uh, easy to understand industry. It's still challenging, but there's a lot that can be done when you're taking an investor in. They can come in and just be an extra set of eyes, an expert that you're bringing in, and you're allowing them to invest time and energy, and you're investing in them. And sometimes it's not about in, uh, taking on money or venture capital. Sometimes you can grow and scale and do all that without take actually paying for it, meaning you're taking on money and you owe it to them at some other time, right? So sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you do need the capital, but sometimes you can do it through things like getting business credit. And business credit is something that a lot of medium and small businesses don't actually ever do. And they should because there's tons of credit out there available to you that isn't attached to your personal credit score. And if you don't know how to do that, well, you need to learn. You need to do that because there's a lot of value in that. And that will give you a lot of room to grow and scale. I was talking to a company the other day that was really having a challenge with scaling because the more they could actually produce, the more they needed the labor to produce it. And they couldn't find the balance and the tipping point to actually get the labor to produce the more amount of their product that they needed to produce. This is a big, big challenge for a lot of businesses. And a lot of times that funding that you can get that credit funding based on your business, not on yourself, can really help supercharge your business and get you on the other side of that teeter-totter that you're on trying to get things to work. But let's take into account the partnership side of it. When you go and you gain and you pick up partners, so many business owners that I talk to are so, 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 so afraid to pick up a partner. But let me tell you what, if you picked up a partner that came in and filled in the blanks on things like strategy or investment or whatever it is that your business needs or you need because they fill in the blank for what you're doing, this can be huge. And I know partners are scary. I know some of you are jaded and been burned on having partnerships. And I really, really want to encourage you to just open your mind, open your heart and look for the partnerships by finding people that you work well together with that fill in the blank of something that you're not as great at, maybe they're excellent at, and, and vice versa. Those are great partnerships to have. And sometimes you can actually use the equity in your business to get those partnerships to come in. And that's pretty cool when you can actually get a partner to come in for some equity in the business. And that's a really neat opportunity that you can use to grow and scale your business to the next level. These are all things that I hope are uh, resonating with you or maybe sparking something in your mind. And I really want you to, or want to encourage you to really spend some time doing that, thinking about each one of these and how they can help you, how they can help you grow and scale your business. These are some cool strategies. Some of them are very principle oriented. In fact, they are all principle oriented. You know, that's how we work here. And so I want you to go and think about that. I hope you took some notes. Hope you wrote them down. Hope this is valuable for you. Again, 
if you need or you have any questions about uh, business choreography and you want to ask about some of these, send us an email, info at bizchoreo.com. We'd be happy to answer and, and chat with you a little bit about it because sometimes it's just that outside perspective and it really makes a difference. So hope you enjoyed those uh, seven strategies for business growth today. And I hope that you go and continue to work on choreographing your business because that really is what needs to be done. We've got to choreograph. We can't do it accidentally. The best dances ever done were choreographed. They weren't accidental, right? We want you to choreograph your business. We don't want your business to be an accident along the way. Anyway, thank you for joining us today. And I hope you guys keep working on choreographing your business. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.